Blog Talk Radio. Coming to you since 1997 on KKUP Radio with over 250 guests and still going strong in their 12th year of weekly broadcasting, the International Taz and Paula Show brings to you expansive, engaging, and groundbreaking intensity on radio and now on the Internet airwaves today. Listen live every Thursday or visit Embracing Mother Earth's archives, exclusive articles, ask questions, and receive actual answers from guests anytime at TazAndPaulaShow.com. Taz and Paula's special guests are experts coming from all walks of life, energizing our lives with a passion that inspires and teaches us with each of their compelling personal life journeys with roots from ancient wisdom and bridging it with modern science. We hope today's show touches the wisdom of your heart. And now, Taz and Paula. What are those habits or rituals keeping you from going down a new road in life? Our guest, Temple Hayes, is being called the catalyst of total transformation. Temple's newest book, When Did You Die?, takes you by the hand, chapter by chapter, step by step. You'll learn it's how you connect with those subtle moments that, that energizes and restores your soul, expanding your heart beyond any limitations. You are now listening to the Taz and Paula Show, and I'm Paula. Paula, Temple Hayes' incredible book, When Did You Die?, wraps up and delivers a new way to embrace life. Delving into what shadows you've built into your homestead, Temple calls them condominiums, by the way, and to become more aware of where you have built those walls rather than bridges. Temple indeed stirs your empowerment in order to allow for you to respond in an open-hearted way when challenges arrive. Wow, how powerful is that? Temple Hayes is today one of the most internationally respected and authentically inspiring leaders in spiritual enrichment and sought-after speaker. She is a unity minister in St. Petersburg, Florida, with a global following and an extremely popular radio show called The International Spirit. Temple knows firsthand what it is to die to your true self and your dreams. She is also the author of two other books, How to Speak Unity and The Right to Be You, powerful books. Today, we'll talk about how to live awake, full, and in the present moment. Temple says that there are eight steps to stop dying and start waking up. We are in a fully packed show, Paula. Tell us more. Oh, just a moment. Hi, Temple. Hello. Are you How with are you? Hello. We just got through introducing you. It's so great Hello. to have you on our show. Oh, it's my pleasure to be with you. Yes, absolutely. Well, you know what? By the way, it just hit me that your name is Temple, T-E-M-P-L-E. And when I think of a temple, I think of an initiation chamber. <laughs> that that has crossed has that crossed your mind? I mean, you literally uh, you've in, also endured heartbreaking childhood, a traumatized youth, and you were able to turn to a new understanding of spirit that allowed you to pull yourself from the car wrecks and alcoholic addiction and through a hundred different fears. 
um, I, you know, I look at your life and I go, wow, this lady is amazing. Oh, my. Well, thank you so much for that. I, I really appreciate that. You know, at an early age, um, my name, I've, I, first of all, I've always been grateful to my name, more importantly because it was my grandfather's middle name. But um, in the Southern Baptist, you know, there was a scripture that said your body is the uh, living temple of, the, of God. And I, I would go, oh, what, why, do, why do I have to have such a different name? Because of all the other ways that I was perceived odd and weird and deep and strange, I thought, you know, on top of it, now I have to have a, a strange name <laughs> to boot. Um, so it was, um, it was sometimes uncomfortable um, in that way um, until it became integrated in my life and I realized that I've been designed perfectly because I had always been different and that's my whole path in life is to be more and more comfortable in expressing that difference. And I'm I'm sure you relate to that, and it's probably the truth for, for you and everyone listening, because we are all unique. Um, I'm no different from anybody else in that way, except that we are created to be who we are um, and do it bravely and boldly. Well, I wanted to wow. say, to, uh, Apple, it was really brave of you to share the things about your personal life in the book. I thought, whoa, this is brave. Oh, um, thank you. Did it? Well, did that's it? Uh, exactly. Are you? I was going to say, I, did it do any healing while you were writing about it? You know, it, it did. I'd, I'd love to share with you a um, a cute story around it, if I may. Um, I really, when I set out to write the book, I um, I, I didn't have the intention of sharing so much. Because, um, you know, being a a Southern girl, that you don't share your secrets, you know. And so I've had many breakthroughs in my life. And early on, uh, 20-something years ago, if not longer, 25, 26, I'd stand in front of a room and tell people that I was a recovering alcoholic. And back then, that was kind of being a trailblazer because most people other than Betty Ford, a lot of people didn't even share that, you know. But when it came to my family's secrets, I would really hold back. So anyway, as I got into the book, I started getting this nudge by spirit that I didn't want to sound like just one more motivational, you know, put on your best clothes, do your best shot, and you're going to be okay. <laughs> you know, it started sounding so much like the things we hear over and over and over again. And I thought, I really need to give them more of me um, to paint a bigger story. So as I proceed to write it, and I started thinking about my one grandmother, Lois, who um, at 13 and a half, she told me she was very sad that she wasn't going to get to see me in heaven because she had already started putting together I was very different spiritually and she had deep concerns about me sexually. So she was like, I'm so disappointed I won't get to see you. So Anyway, my grandmother Lois has been um, been gone since uh, 93, 94, long time. And so I check in every year with a psychic, and she said, oh, you have a grandmother showing up this time. And I said, oh, yeah, that's my grandmother Ruby. She comes quite often, you know, she's my girl. She went, no, 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 this is your father's mother. <laughs> yeah. and I said, well, that's interesting. She's never shown up in my energy field you know, all these years later. 
She said, well, she's showing up now, and she wanted me to tell you that that you were right, that you were right and that um, you knew a lot uh, and that she just didn't know. And so anyway, I was telling my agent about that, and then all of a sudden I went, wait a minute. She's just doing that, so I won't put her in my book. <laughs> <laughs> funny (laughs) you know but the healing that was so comfortable for me was that when the lady told me that there would have been a time in my life that I would have you know cried for days of wow my grandmother sees me you know but the healing that I had was that I've become that comfortable with who I am that even though it was nice to hear it wasn't like a huge valid uh, dating moment if if you know what I mean. It was like, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you see it that way. But I don't hold anything towards my grandmother either. She did the best she could at the time she had with where she was, you know. You know, that's interesting. Well, you know what it, what it validates for me? It, what it validates for me is the, uh, when people go on the other side, they do see the truth. So that's yeah. really mm-hmm. validating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, um, something happened like that to me comparable and uh, my dad came through and I had been doing television and that kind of thing and he said why are you doing this stuff he said you know it's it doesn't do uh you know it's not going to do anything special for you (laughs) and um I said dad it's my heart and he goes he goes well you know anyhow I got a psychic reading too and he came through a gentleman that how it's very famous. Huh? The psychic oh, and, how beautiful. And Daddy said, he says, I'm really sorry. He said, I love you. He said, I had no idea what you were doing. And he said, I can see. And he said, go for it, girl, and syndicate. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, wow. You know, it was, and I, and I just, you know, I couldn't help but bawl. <laughs> um, and so it was so validating and so wonderful because when they are on the other side, they can see what, you know, you're, you're doing. Mm, that's beautiful. I'm so glad you shared that. It's very powerful. Yeah, so uh, what was the first know, aspect that you had that you began to um, look at those particular strings to pull and what was the first one that you began to pull and wake up a new area in your life? Well, um, there were there were several you know moments in my life that that those particular things came. But somehow, um, even early on in my life, I was fortunate that I grew up in the country even though the other elements that I say in the book, it was a small town, very small minds, big hearts, but small minds, and those kind of things. There were some advantages to being exposed to the outdoors and dogs and cats and horses and, you know, all those kind of things and being in nature. And I always had this um, inner knowing that I could talk directly to God, you know, that I didn't need to go through an intermediary, that I could just express how I felt, how I thought. We were, like, having a conversation, like, uh, you know, really best friends, that kind of thing. And that was part of what kept me going through a world that I found I I had a hard time understanding at times. Um, And I still draw from that to this day, 
because sometimes I look out there and it's a world that I have a hard time understanding sometimes, even now. But there's a core of knowing that I do believe uh, in a greater power. I believe in my creator. And and so when I was kind of feeling like over and over again, I am a mistake, what I, what I finally got to in my first wake up and the string that pulled me is I am not a mistake. I may have made mistakes, but I am not one. And that started catapulting me to a whole new place of um, wanting to stay true to who I was as a person, though it was very difficult at times. You know, and, and I think it's important to highlight we're talking the 60s. You know, we're not talking just 10 years ago. I mean, in the 60s, there were a lot of things you just didn't say out loud. If you if you weren't afraid of somebody taking you away in a van uh, with a straitjacket on, you know, <laughs> especially in the, I, I would say especially in the South. I mean, right. I, I'm not, you know, pinpointing the South, but it seems that way because of the the churches and everything. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, not not really promoted to think out of the box. That's for sure. Right. So you started to hear your soul voice. I started to hear my soul voice and and probably had heard it all along. And I think people start out in life hearing it all along. I think that what happens if we're not validated outside of ourselves, then by the time we're a teenager, what happened to me is I started playing the role everybody else had in my life. I loved me, but I rejected me because it was too painful being me. You see, and so I started not listening myself. So the first time I drank alcohol, I was so ill. I must have had, you know, like flu symptoms for a couple of weeks. First time I smoked a cigarette, I went into full-blown tonsillitis. So that was kind of a message, you think, um, being gifted to me that it wasn't mine to do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I would have liked to have told you that I listened. I did not. Um, And it didn't ever get much better than that, even though I was a rebel and determined to do it for for many years. Um, And I think that that's that's what starts to happen. Uh, We're all, you know, born to be unique. We have a certain path where to go. We have certain dreams that are to come true. And that's the, the arrival point that we enter into our GPS, our God personalized system, our navigation system. And I think when people say, you know, life isn't working, um, I've heard many people say that. I know there was a time in my life that I used to say that. And I've come to realize that's not an intellectual statement because life is always working. Uh, The sky stays up in the air. The stars don't fall and hit us on the head. You know, there's a sense of order in nature that is the same one we have. But where we go missing is we stop listening. We stop listening to the messages that we get. And start listening. And it's so much more than intuition. Uh, It's also a deeper awareness of the external signs that are coming and knocking on our door, too. How do others, uh, when you speak, you lecture all over, and um, how do others come to you afterward? Do they feel that release of, or, or... release within their lives that allows them to be them. You know, their heart is opened in a different level. And um, 
that you must have, I mean, you help so many people to get through aspects that they're dealing with presently. Well, you know, I think that um, just like the work that you do, um, don't, I don't know that we always know, you know, um, how we really impact someone. I think for me, where I always want to be or desire to be, I've always said I'd rather live a book than write one. You know, I would rather live the message rather than the content in the message. I think modeling is very important, and that's, what I really want to impart when I'm in front of a group of people is I want to hold in in grace uh, and in the greatest humility how far they've come or where they've traveled from just to be sitting in that room and in that sacred honoring to give it, you know, all that I ever possibly could. Would I say to you that when the experience has happened, it's been a mutual agreement and that I feel like people have more energy in their bodies than what they started with, I, I absolutely do. Um, I absolutely, you know, know that when metaphysics can be put to a practical understanding and people can see that it's not just ethereal, that it's not that you're supposed to just be happy and robotic all the time, and they can listen to somebody that has gone through certain challenges knows that we as a nation go through challenges and we can be real about it, I absolutely feel that people can transcend to a different place within themselves. And, yes, there are people. And, actually, I've had people write me since the book came out, um, some of them that even they haven't even read the book yet, but they read the title and they started (laughs) thinking about, how am I dying a little bit? And one man wrote me and said, the title of your book shocked me so much. It made me realize geographically I've been in the wrong location for 10 years and I have been dying a little bit here and there and I need to make a change. And I I thought, well, that must be why I wrote the book then, so he could move. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for everybody listening out there, Temple Hayes' book is, is When Did You Die? Eight steps to stop dying every day and start waking up. You have so many tools in the book that people can grab a hold of and use. Thank you. I love I love the shaman shield. And I thought, mm. wow, that's perfect. I'm going to start using that. Do you want to explain to <laughs> the people, you. the listening audience? Uh, absolutely. Well, one of the things I talk about in the book is is um, I know that sometimes we seem a little slow in our humanity, you know, getting a concept. And I think one of the things that gets in our way is we intellectualize too much and we discount and disassociate and disconnect from our feelings. And that would be, as a life advocate, what I would ask people as a as a person of spirit to really take to heart is that if 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 the universe, if God, if creator, spirit, whatever you call it, wanted us to be non-feeling people, we would be. But we are designed to have feelings. And the key of life is not not to have feelings. It's learning how to be with them and sit with them and walk through them. Okay? So that being said, a lot of times we have cliches, you know, feel the fear, do it anyway. Uh, The opposite of fear is love. 
you know, and those are nice things. And I don't know about you. I always kind of smile when I hear them and I go, oh, that's right. But if I just face my challenges at that level, I don't really transcend it to another place. Until the next time I hear something like that and I go, oh, yeah, I need to do something about that. But many people have deep-rooted fears, and more often than not, we're not even aware of how many we have. We know we have fears because we look at how in uh, Google Analytics, how the media drives us to check out that article, to read that, to go to that link because it's fear-based, and it triggers us every time, right? So I think we all agree with that. So where we want to go with this time now that we live in, because we have so much information coming at us, is we want to learn to start making peace with our fears so we can stay grounded when we do face things, right? So we can use our own minds and hearts to make better decisions. So what I said is that I would rather use something ancient that's being tested and true, proven to be true in individuals And so I went into a meditation and I asked for a sacred symbol that I could use that every time I had a fear, a fear of danger, a fear of someone liking me, a fear of saying the wrong thing, a fear of um, someone being upset with me, a fear of someone rejecting me, not always as an adult, but carrying those childhood energies in me as well. And once I made that commitment, It was exhausting at first because I thought I had no idea how often I have these thoughts in any given day. But every time I had the thought, I visualized the shield. And I did not get into the energy of the thought. I used the shield. And after several days, one day I said, wow, it's almost gone away. I don't have that energy being pulled from my body anymore. And it was amazing. It helped me be clearer. It helped me be a better leader. It helped me make wiser decisions because I wasn't driven by an unresolved emotional body. Wow, that's a good one. Um, When I was going through your book, I loved what your comment was within a particular area. You said, allow yourself to be in front of your shadows. Mm. That is such a brilliant way to look at to mm-hmm. look at it. I would you describe some of that because that is just amazing. Well, I'll I'll give you an example um because I I love storytelling because I think it helps us see more clarification. Um yes. because again, I think that often we just we barely touch the surface. You know, I feel sad. Okay. Well, why do you feel sad? Oh, okay. So what is it reminding you of? Okay. And then if you keep working with the person instead of saying, well, why would you feel sad when, you know, all the world is around you and you have all these miracles? More often than not, when somebody's willing to go to a deeper place or has someone hold the space for them, especially often, I found it to be true. Most women that think they're sad, they're mad. Okay. (laughs) And that feeling (laughs) hasn't been transcended to another level because they have deep rooted in them. It's not okay for me to be mad. And that's why they can stay sad for the rest of their lives and not transcend it to another level. Often with boys, it's the opposite. They're angry. They're mad. They become rageaholic often 
but they're not really angry. They're not really mad. If you can stay in the space with them, they're just wounded little boys, you know, longing to get out of an adult body. And I'm not, these are not one size fits all. But an example that I wanted to give you was doing a house blessing uh, for this woman that's a singer in our spiritual community, and I wanted to gift her with that. They had just moved. She has a little girl that's nine. And so when I go to the home, the little girl, she can't wait to show me her room. And on her nightstand, she has these beautiful rocks and stones. And she said, oh, those are my stones. They help me because I have scary nightmares at night, and I'm afraid. And I said, well, you know, tell me more. And she said, well, these stones, they're supposed to help me. And I said, well, what do you want to do? Um, what do you love to do? And, and one day, what do you want to be, you know, when you um, grow up? And she said, oh, I want to be an artist and I want to paint. And I said, well, tell me more about those images that you see in the night. And she started saying it, telling me. And I said, have you ever thought about that maybe you're being gifted with images that the next day you could paint them? And maybe that's what they're there for. And she looked at me and her eyes were the size of a half dollar and she said, I never thought of that. And her mom said she's never been afraid again, ever. Oh, wow, that was great. You look at something as a gift. I was willing to invest the time in let's dig deeper, let's probe into this without making her wrong. Because, see, at nine, what I would have gotten and what many people would have gotten is, well, you're a big girl. Why are you afraid? What do you mean you're scared? I mean, look at where you live. I mean, what do you think? Somebody's going to come in the window and get you? Oh, let's be real. I'm just in the room next door. I'll hear you. You know, it was we just, again, Let's fix it at the surface level, but not creating a delve a space to delve into so that someone because the goal would be to be free from it, you know, not to just sugarcoat it um with a candy bar, so you know so it would go away temporarily but you also you you allowed her to think of it as a gift, yeah, which is so you make something that's bad and ugly and actually it's a gift to you so I thought that was perfect which ultimately hopefully for her will be the process of her entire life because eventually for many of us after practicing uh, metaphysics long enough or spirituality long enough or going to therapy long enough whichever comes first we eventually do get to a place of seeing all the things we thought were so big and and hard are our gifts ultimately you know. Well, well I, I think a lot of if I'm thinking, oh, I was, I'm thinking about journaling. When you journal and um, you journal what's bothering you today or what, it, and then you go mm-hmm. back six months in your journal and you read what was bothering you, and you think, well, why was that bothering me? It was no big deal, but at the moment you mm-hmm. thought it was. Mhm. Absolutely, and that that's what I talk about a little bit in the book, which I feel is kind of unique, and um, I'd be interested to see what you think about it. But, you know, if a lot of people just go with their birth story, you know, they're sitting around wanting to be, um, you know, the next uh, 
Mariah Carey, and they go, well, why was I born in this little country town and there's not even an acting class or drama class and there's not really a good, uh, you know, chorus leader and why is this happening to me? And, well, I guess these are the cards I was just dealt with. So life sucks and this is what i got to deal with, you know, that kind of thing. And I think I just represented a lot of people, sadly, who have these big dreams but yet they only go with their story of birth or their origin or who their parents were, or how much their parents made or being middle American income people or whatever all those things are, you know. And what I had to realize was that I was so, mm, how do I put it, uh, it was so hard for me to believe that a creator had given me so much passion for life and so many um, dreams to think that this was going to be all there would be. And and so when I looked at all the incidents that happened in my life, I would also see that how those incidents more often than not were working against me. And what I eventually came to, like you were talking about the journal six months prior, I listed, I took time one day of my life, which is all it was, one day of my life, to write down all of the events where I perceived in my life that God was out to lunch and nobody was home and that something had worked against me. I finished the list. I put them all on little sheets of paper, little three-by-three sheets of paper. I still have them today, you know, 17 years later. And I, I went back and I looked at every one of them and said, how can I see the presence? How can I see that this is a story that created me? This is beyond my birth story. This is my sacred creation story. And it was like a whole different journey. My life totally changed that day. uh, When I see sometimes people, they're stuck in religion um, with the fears um, that it brings out and... I'm I'm seeing how is that step for you where you step from the fear into knowing that the creator loves you as you are. I, I think that's a big step that a lot of people I, I mean, there's such confusing messages back and forth for people. As far as is if someone's uh saying, um, for example, um you know, I, I want to speak in front of people, but I'm terrified. Do you mean it's in that relationship or I'm afraid well, I, that... People have certain ways they live in. Maybe they're um, alcohol addicted. Maybe they're maybe they're gay. Maybe they're, uh, you know, another aspect of where religion puts the crimps on situations. And uh, I'm saying that it's that they're bad people. Now you just uh, described me to the T. Keep on. Let's keep on with the list. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, so the thing is to check, transition. Check. You know, to yeah, to transition and 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 understand. I I mean, you know, I there was a man yesterday that simply said, I, I don't even believe in God because if God um you know was really there, he wouldn't have let my wife suffer so much. So they have all of these um, imprints that they've been given. And it's how, you know, I see that 
you yourself have come to an aspect of, of having this firm conviction that the Creator really loves you as you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and to forge that new life to, you know, from from a system that was so rigid uh, environmentally was given to you, you know, from birth on or from family values. And then right. to be able to, to penetrate and look beyond that veil that's, that, that has people confined into a box where they, they, they feel if they become themselves or look at themselves in a different way that they will be chastised. Um, and there's no hope. I, I, absolutely. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure you find um, often, I, I think that uh, one of the things that we are, you know, that we often allude to is that, um, you know, people, a lot of people perceive God as a man up in the sky with a beard, preferably white beard, you know, overlooking us individually and personally and those kind of things. And, you know, in that in that space, it's it's kind of thinking of God as um God is impersonal but personal to all who know God. You know. And and so in that essence, I think that a lot of people they, they want it both ways. They want free will and choice. But at the same time, they want to blame God for everything, <laughs> you know. And you you have to choose which side you're going to be on, you know, or which space you're going to come from would probably be better said because I'm not trying to promote separation here. But, you know, God can give us an automobile, but we have to pull our car up in the carport, you know, or garage in order to take care of it. And I think that, it's like when people talk about their relationship with God, for me, the best way to understand it that's worked for me is that if I walk over to the ocean where I live and I take a cup with me and I fill up that cup with the ocean and I take it back, I can tell anybody there's water in the cup, there's salty water in the cup, it's um water I'm not too fond of in the cup. I can say anything I want to. I can call it whatever I want, but at the end of the day, I'm sorry, it's still ocean water. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. still carrying in that cup what is of the ocean, and that is who we are. We are little cups of God. That's who we are. We're this energy, we're this vibration created in our in our own humanity, and and when people choose to be disassociated and disconnected from that which they are made of, there is no doubt life is harder. There is no doubt. Um, and they project time and time again the I can't trust onto everything and everyone more often than not that they have relationship with. Because we cannot disconnect with that cup of the ocean with who we are. And that's my humble opinion uh, in that way. Um, An easy analogy of that is that being little and putting together jigsaw puzzles, you know, or still as an adult loving to put together a jigsaw puzzle on iPad. You know, when I see an image on a box when I was little, I would argue that that piece was in that box because the manufacturer had that color on the image, so it had to be on there. I never question 
if the manufacturer forgot to put the piece in there. <laughs> <laughs> or otherwise, I would have never attempted to put together the puzzle. What would be the point? Because it wouldn't be a finished product. And yet people don't understand that their image of who their life is to become, what they are to be, they have all the pieces there, but they don't trust the manufacturer. They don't. And so from the get-go, they're approaching life, something's missing, I don't have it, I'm going to be missing this, I won't have that, rather than trusting in a greater way the divine plan. Does that resonate with you? Because it helps make sense to me as to why at the end of the day, no matter what, I have ultimate faith that I have all the pieces I need. Now, sometimes with a puzzle, I have a bunch of pieces over to the side. They've come together, but I still don't know where they go in the big picture. Mm -hmm. And that's true for all of us. You know, you might have part of your dream coming true, but you can't see how it's all going to come together. But one day, one piece will just fit right in place and then all align with it. And it's not any more complicated than that. That's the way our lives will work. That's a great description. Well, there's, yeah. there's what what you said in your book. You said aim for connection rather than perfection. Yes. So we all have a different view on what perfection is. So, so maybe perfection isn't real. <laughs> perfection often is a self-imposed projection of the inner critic, isn't it? Or um, a wounded heart, you know. And 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 when we look at our own feelings, I mean, the crucial thing. I was telling someone the other day this, and and laughter because. Um, Goodness knows if you if you don't get anything from anything else in life, have a sense of humor <laughs> because it's really helpful, you know, to have a sense of humor to kind of lighten up sometimes in a in an energy of life that that can be heavy. But I was I was telling someone that I'm I was happy and thrilled that I had started making a lot of peace in recovery with myself with my inner critic, you know, in my thirties and then. In my 40s, you know, I was someone that, for example, it's like, oh, I would say I had a nice body looking back 15 years prior, you know, but at the time standing in front of the mirror, I'd look at the four things I thought were wrong with me, you know, kind of how we can be in in our human suit. But I said I was so grateful that I had learned to accept more and not be so critical of my of my body image because as you age, you know, you get all these new little friends and new freckles, new things. <laughs> Hair on your chin. You know, you could just you could just stay there for a while. You know, so it's and and it's relative to fear, uh, making peace with our fears, um, making peace with our bodies because we're just bombarded now with what we ought to be doing, what we what we should do by the influencers. And we really need to take a spiritual time out and say, whoa, am I where I want to be? Am I listening to people I want to model? Am I sick and tired of being sick and tired? Um, if, if I'm going to be different, what do I need to do different? You know, I need to ask some questions in order to get a new place for me to arrive to. 
That's like, I think you said someplace in your book that it's like pruning a tree. <laughs> Prune out what yeah. you don't need. Exactly. Right now, people, a lot of them are saying that they feel de-energized and weary and drained. And you say true success is measured by how we thrive and live being totally alive rather than being drained and weary. Um, Subtle deaths prevent us from experiencing um, the miracles and magic that are, that are, that are, that is our birthright, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, your comments, your light is your energy, your gift to the world and your mm-hmm. lightness of being is your gift to yourself. That is so beautiful. I mean, that is, oh. such a, you know, um, it just, people forget to give that gift back to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, absolutely. And I, I think that for me, I mean, fundamentally at the core of my being, what I believe to be true is when we die a physical death, we are supposed to have as much energy as we started out in life with. I have throughout my home and my office a photo of of when I was a, a little baby and that lightness and that vibrancy of light coming out of my eyes. And I feel that when we go through hardship, when we go through challenge in life, that we want to hold that belief and that faith that it may be challenging to get through it, but when we're on the other side of it, there will be more of us, not less. And you have your hands full when you set out with that kind of belief because we're bombarded with people that promote all the time, oh, you're 40 now, well, you're tired, too many <laughs> things in your life. Well, you need to get a super feel-good uh, system X. You know, I mean, we hear this kind of stuff all the time about how we are not going to be vibrant, how we're not going to be dynamic, and those kind of things. And But it's not true. You look at Betty White, Um, I was interviewed in the magazine Awareness not long ago, and I said, look at Betty White. She's a perfect example of what we're talking about. It's possible. It is possible to have energy and be vibrant as you age. It's possible for all of us. But we must learn to think differently and be different for that to be true. And a big part of it is decision. The second thing is that we don't seem to be clear where energy comes from. I live in Florida. I see birds on the beach. I have never seen one walking as an egret going, how do I make it? <laughs> how am I going to get through this day? I'm worn out. I'm so tired. Somebody took fish. I can't believe it. I don't know why they did. I have to work harder. You know, all this. Nature thrives naturally, as do we. But it's because we have been so influenced as to where energy comes from that we have forgotten about the word infinity that is all around us. Yeah, this is, um, Paula and I often say, you know, it's like it would be hard for us not to do what we do. It's just so... uh, it's so energizing that we could not not do what we do. 
um, it's a passion. It, it our heart expands every time we we work with people, and it is it really fills your heart. It's a, it's it's such a high passion, and to uh, your heart just just kind of explodes, <laughs> you know, and I. People, you know, forget to take out time to be able to get into that that energy that they don't give themselves the love back to themselves in order to be able to, to delve in this kind of depth so that they can feel this energy and that they become excited with life. And um, I, I, I love your book because of this. It really allows people to... Um, look at the honesty of what their cells are telling them. You know, I I it's do like, know. Like you said, the hokey pokey, the song. <laughs> you mm-hmm. put your whole self in. That's, oh, that's what sometimes one. we forget to do. Yeah, sometimes we forget to do that. So when you do it, you feel like a, and it's a soaring like an eagle. Oh yeah, but see, most people hear that you got to turn yourself around first before you can put your whole self in, and they oh. spend their entire lives in the waiting room, <laughs> the waiting room of what's going to happen because they're waiting. Um, where the song says, "Put your whole self in and then turn yourself around," that's what it's all about, and um, and that is what it's all about. I I've had you know people through the years tell me because you know some of the the people I've had the good pleasure of being with have gone on to become leaders and ministers or speakers or, you know, whatever. And, and they'll, you know, some of them will say, well, you know, I'm waiting until, you know, I work everything out with my marriage and then my kids go to college and then that, and I'm waiting until I don't really have any problems. And, and I said, well, you know, maybe you'll look at doing that then in your next lifetime. <laughs> because, <laughs> If you're always waiting, there is always something that you're waiting for. Always. There's always going to be a reason to wait, and that's not what the song says. It's like, put yourself in now. Put your whole self in now. Make a step. Do planning. Act as if. Um, Get ready for it. You know, Um, stay in motion. Uh, When I first knew I was going to be a, a, a spiritual leader, I was terrified of speaking. I was so terrified. I was just a nervous wreck. I could, my mouth, my lips stuck together. I could hardly speak. It was just like, oh, my gosh. But I I knew that I felt in my heart that I was, you know, what I was supposed to do. And the first talk I ever gave, I, um, that came pretty easy, even though I was so nervous. But as I drove away, I thought, Oh, no, I told him everything I know, I have 51 more weeks to go. (laughs) Why did I tell him everything I knew? (laughs) What was I thinking? But, um, you know, you walk through it. You keep putting your whole self in. You keep showing up. You keep doing it. You keep being it. And before you know, you become it. You know, you really do become it. So, anyway, I love the work that uh, the two of you are doing also and, you know, being part of making a difference and giving insight to people, it, it's, it, it has to be very rewarding, you know. Yeah, it is. You, have a you know, let me take a minute here and let people too, know. Right? 
Oh, wait a minute, Paula. Let me just take a minute and let people know we're talking with Temple Hayes, and that's H-A-Y-E-S. Her website is Temple Hayes. That's Temple like the temple, T-E-M-P-L-E, Hayes.com. And uh, her book that that we are um, talking about with her today is When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Walking Up. Oh, excuse me, and start waking up. <laughs> I'm going to walk people up. <laughs> and um, uh, let's see. And uh, oh, um, oh, yeah. There's some other things we haven't covered. I, uh, oh, Paula, you were going to cover something, but I just want to let excited. people know. Also, Temple uh, is the founder of Life Rights, a nonprofit organization dedicated to the right of all to live the life of their intention and freedom and peace, and the uh, SOFI project, S-O-F-I, and it's the capitals, um, a nonprofit organization that rescues and rehabilitates dogs and cats globally. Um, uh, Paula, I know there's more. You wanted to talk about that? Oh, I was going to say that's a, you're a person after my own heart because I'm such an animal person. But uh, do you have a, you still have a radio show, Temple? I do every every Wednesday um, on Unity Online Radio. It's it's Unity FM actually. So yes, I have a, a live radio show, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Now, can they get and to that directly from your website? Absolutely. If they go to my website, the information's on there. Um, that'd probably be the easiest way to find it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay, so again, it's templehaze.com, and then when you're there, you can just click on the tab that um, says radio. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And you can either listen live or you can go back to the archives and listen as well. Is there anything that we have missed today that you want to talk about and um, bring forth? Well, I feel like we've um, we've just made a lot of um, key points. And I, I think, you know, the most simplistic way to live is to understand that, that life gives back to you what you bring. You know, so... If you if you want more joy, then bringing joy to the table helps. Um, I love the statement I heard one time that when you're excited about your life, then you perceive that everything and everyone else is excited as well. And wherever you are in your listening right now, whether you are in pain or whether you have a dream that's not being realized or whether you're in a relationship that you're not really being true to yourself, it simply comes and starts transforming by making a decision to see yourself being in a different place. And when you can be in that energy field, um, you would be surprised at how quick it is to turn these experiences around. Uh, It really is possible. I know because I've lived in it and through it that it is possible. You know, it's like I, you said that you uh, don't be a chicken, uh, be the eagle that's soaring mm-hmm. through life. Yeah. 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 Okay. Don't you love that story? I, I mean, I didn't make it up. That's why I can say that so boldly <laughs> um, of the naturalist 
the naturalist that he goes to the chicken yard and he looks and there's an eagle there among the chickens. And, and so he said to the farmer, he said, do you realize that you've got a an eagle there with the chickens? And he says, well, he eats with the chickens and he acts like a chicken. So to me, it's just a chicken. And the naturalist <laughs> said, well, you'd mind if I take him out to the mountainside and see if he will fly. And so he did that. And the um, the eagle kind of flapped his wings, but he was too afraid. He jumped down and he went and joined the chickens again. But the next time the naturalist took him and kept affirming who he was, he was able to then fly away as an eagle. And I think I think that's true for, you know, so many people that are really eagles, but they have been influenced. They've been told they can't. Uh, they've been around people that limit them. Uh, my sixth grade teacher told my parents I was never going to amount to anything because I talked too much. <laughs> <laughs> and look what you're doing today. <laughs> I've spent my whole life talking, you know. Uh, so I'm really glad I I didn't listen to her. But many people have listened to a statement just like that. And it has silenced them or um, it's hurt them so deeply that they don't continue to move forward or it's limited them in, in some way. We had a, a program here not too long ago with a professional performer and his belief is everybody can sing. Everybody can sing. And you would be amazed at the people that when they started out singing, they weren't so good. And then he said, what did people tell you growing up? And every one of them had been told some kind of limitation. He said, so this time I want you to sing knowing that you can. And it was like night and day. It was like profound but it's usually the belief that we can't that keeps us held and keep us held back. Exactly. I wish I were there that day. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always have to come like and be with us sometimes. <laughs> yeah, because that's a well, you prime know, example. Because I've been told that I can't carry a tune, so I've always believed it. Mhm. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah but everybody it, it, can sing. Everybody can. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's uh I can remember as a child not speaking <laughs> going if somebody would have told me we would be doing radio and T V I'd go, Oh sure. <laughs> That's a laugh. Um because you'd freeze up. Uh, wow. Thank you. Thank you, Temple Hayes. Um for what you've done. It is just so beautiful. Uh, your website again is templehaze.io. I was going to say, okay, templehaze.com. Is that correct? Yes. Uh huh. Templehaze.com. Okay. You got it. Uh huh. Okay. And your book is <laughs> When Did You Die? Eight Steps to Stop Dying Every Day and Start Waking Up. And I just want to say, keep being that eagle and taking flight, supporting others. It it Mm. was really great. I love what you said. You know, again, your light is your energy, your gift to the world, and your lightness of being is your gift to yourself. Wow. Those are just Temple, Temple, it's been such a delight being with you today. It's just a delight. Thank you. Thank you, and thank you so much for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. 
I mean, we can uh, feel your heart over the air. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget Thank to give you. us give us a call, please. Um, we'd love to talk with you about other books that you might have on your agenda. And anything special, let us know. All right. God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.